We're going to read Philippians 3, and we're going to read verses 13 through 14, and we're going to talk about new beginnings. The Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Everyone can have a new beginning because of Jesus and because of the gospel. Isn't that a wonderful truth that any person, no matter who they are, where they're from, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the good news that God loves us, that he died for us, that he was buried and rose again for us, each person can, if they believe in Jesus, have a new beginning, right? That's the start of something brand new, because that's what grace is all about. Grace is all about what is old becoming new. And, and you read the New Testament and study the New Testament, and you have all uh, different kinds of examples of the gospel doing that kind of work in someone's life, the gospel uh, changing somebody in that way. And one of the more prominent examples <clears throat> of the new beginning that comes through the gospel and through salvation is the uh, character of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was at one time, and for some that are more familiar, you know this, some that may not be as familiar, Paul the Apostle was a persecutor of the church, of Christians, and then he became a follower of Jesus. We read about his conversion to Christianity in the book of Acts, and we also read about a lot of his um, endeavors as a missionary, as an apostle, Uh, in the book of Acts. And then, after the book of Acts in our Bibles, we have a lot of different uh, smaller books. The majority of them were written by the Apostle Paul. They were letters that he wrote to different churches, to different groups of people, some to individuals. And here in the book of Philippians, um, Paul gives another, uh, writes another letter, and in some of the letters, he gives what we would call his testimony. So he talks about his conversion. And here, Um, In the book of Philippians, he focuses on a particular aspect of his conversion. In some of his letters, he talks about what kind of person he was before. He talks about what happened right after his conversion. But here in Philippians, and in this section that we're reading, uh, he talks about his identity before he knew Christ. And that was, he was a religious person, but he was a very lost person. And he talks about how he learned through faith in Jesus that his works, that his righteousness could not save him, that the only thing that could save him was his faith in Jesus Christ. And so he gives testimony of that and the work that Christ wants to do in every person's life. That's the new beginning. In uh, chapter 3 of Philippians, uh, starting in verse 7, he talks about this dynamic. He says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And so Paul came to this place where he realized that his um, salvation could not be um, attained through his own works, that it had to be attained through the work of Christ on the cross. And so he put his faith in Jesus, and he received the gift of his righteousness. I'm thankful that any person can have that new beginning like Paul. Any person can be saved. It doesn't matter what what, uh, they might think about themselves. There's grace for everybody. So there's new beginnings 
because of Jesus. And I don't take for granted that in a group, a group this size, that there might not be somebody who, for you, that is the new beginning that you need. That's where it needs to start. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and be saved. And I want to say to you, if you're here tonight and you have never put your faith in Jesus, you've never believed in Jesus for salvation, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to recognize yourself as a sinner in need of a Savior and to trust Christ and be saved. If you're here and you have believed in Jesus, can I say something that as we get to the end of a year and the start of a new one, there's no better decision you could make as a believer than to just remind yourself of what a joy, what a privilege, what a miracle it is that you belong to God, that you're saved, that you're forgiven. Um, if you're saved, you have a wonderful, wonderful gift that you've been given, right? It's a, tr- it's a transformation that took place in your life. Uh, when you believe in Jesus and start the journey of following Jesus, lots of stuff can happen, which we'll talk about, and it can take your eyes off of the blessing of salvation. It can get you to forget that there's great joy in being saved and in being a Christian. And I want to encourage you to remember just what a, what, a, what a privilege it is, what a miracle has taken place in your life if you're saved. So I'm thankful for the new beginning of salvation. And I want to encourage anybody that might be here tonight, if you have questions about that, will you seek me out? Will you seek Pastor Chris? Will you seek anybody uh, that's here that looks like they might know? And if you talk to somebody and they say, I don't know either, then the two of you go and find somebody who knows, right? But we want to share the gospel with you. That's where it starts. But while I'm thankful for the new beginning of salvation, I'm also thankful for the, new, for the blessings of forgiveness and grace. The fact that once I start following Jesus, I can continue to experience new beginnings and second chances. Not salvation. That happens once. And I don't earn it and I don't keep it. That's all the work of God. But once I start following Jesus, because I'm a sinner living in a sinful world, there's going to be times where I get discouraged. There's going to be times where I struggle in my faith. And when you read the book of Philippians, what you see is Paul, he takes time to address some of the different fronts on which we have spiritual battle. And he talks about some of the ways that we struggle. And he encourages those that may be discouraged in these particular ways to just continue going forward. When we read in uh, verses 13 and 14, how he says, I'm forgetting the things that are behind. I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark. This is Paul reaffirming his commitment to a life of following Jesus. This is Paul saying, I have given my life to Christ. I'm an apostle. I'm a preacher. And what I'm telling you all right now is that I reaffirm that commitment. I am following him. I give my life over to him. And for Paul to write to the believers in Philippi and to just reaffirm his commitment to following Jesus, and he invites them to reaffirm his, their commitment to following Jesus, what he's reminding them of is, yeah, there's going to be times where you struggle. There's going to be times where you worry. There's going to be times where you doubt. But because we have a God full of grace and forgiveness, you can continue to have new beginnings. You can continue to have second chances because of what Christ has done for you. And so Paul, he addresses a couple of different Um, areas that we struggle in. He talks about the guilt that we sometimes have because of the past and because of our sin. He talks about the doubt that we sometimes have because of trials in the present. And then he talks about some of the fear and the worry that we experience because of the uncertainties of the future. What we want to do tonight is I want to encourage those of you who may be in one of these places, maybe struggling in this way, that even though you may have you may find yourself in a spot where I don't, I don't know what the next step is that you can have because of forgiveness and grace, because of a God who's merciful and patient, you can have a new beginning. You can turn the corner. 
into 2024. Reaffirm your commitment to following Jesus. Reaffirm your commitment to living a life of faithfulness and obedience to Him. And 2024 can be a year where God works in your life in ways that you never thought you could, that you never thought He could, because that's the kind of God that we serve. So let's talk about these different areas that we sometimes struggle in. First, a new beginning despite sins of the past. A new beginning despite sins of the past. Paul struggled with guilt over past sins just like we all do. I don't know about you, but for me, there is some stuff in the past that is constantly um, bringing, br- being brought back into my consciousness, right? Through my flesh, through the evil that's at work in this world, <clears throat> right? There are things that I did, ways that I behaved, stuff that I said, and it comes up sometimes, and I'm reminded of it. And I don't know uh, what your experience is in this way, but sometimes we struggle with guilt. There might be somebody here who that's your experience. Paul had that same battle. When he was writing to Timothy, in the first letter that he wrote to Timothy, he talked about God's grace and how God saved him. And, 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 and he describes himself, and he really he says, God came into the world to save sinners. And he says, and I'm the chief of sinners. Now, when you, hear, when you read a statement like that, you think, man, that's a humble, humble man. And that certainly had something to do with it. But it also reveals the struggle that Paul has with the reality of his past. He said, God saves sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. When I look back over what I was before and what I did before, uh, all I can say is, were it not for grace, I don't know what I would be. I don't know where I would be. I don't know what I'd be doing right now. And for some of us, we struggle, just like Paul, with some guilt over the things in our past, and it prevents us from moving forward. It prevents us from really taking steps of faith. I have these thoughts in my head. I'm not worthy. God can't use me because of this or because of that. When Paul writes uh, in the first part of uh, chapter number three, he talks about some of his past. When we read uh, to start, he said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. Here is what he's talking about. In Philippians three, verse number four, he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have whereof that he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, I grew up in church, and I heard a lot of lessons and a lot of teaching from the book of Philippians, and maybe that's where you're at. Maybe for some, this is new territory, right? But regardless, you read that, and Paul's point that he's trying to make initially is some people want to have confidence in themselves, and I could have some confidence in myself, right? But he's speaking in the context of being lost, right? So this is what a lost person, this is what somebody who doesn't know God might think would get you to God or be good for you or make you a moral person. But make no mistake, when Paul writes this list, when he talks about people can boast in the flesh, he is not trying to brag. He is not trying to put this forward as some great thing. Because what you see as you continue reading is that now Paul looks back on all of this and says it's nothing. He uses the word dung. He says, I count it all but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So when Paul is writing here, what he's talking about is that's what I used to be. And there are some people, some people that don't know better because of the, the, because of the fact that they're lost. They think that is all great and good. I know better now. So when Paul is describing this, and what is he describing? He's describing what he was like before Christ. And there's lots 
that we could point out, but there's at least two sins that we see very prominently Paul struggled with, and that as he went forward following Jesus as in a preacher of the gospel, he struggled with. First, there's self-righteousness. Paul was a Pharisee before his conversion, and he acted like a Pharisee. If you're familiar with the Gospels, not a favorable picture that's painted of the Pharisees. And if Paul, and we have good reason to believe he was, was anything like his peers, before his conversion to Christianity, he was a prideful, selfish man. He looked down on other people. He thought he was better than them. Before Christ, Paul was a self-righteous man. Can you imagine trying to encourage people to follow Jesus? And, you know, sometimes you're going to, you're going to suffer and sometimes you're going to be in uh, great difficulty and sometimes you're going to have lack of of things because that's the nature of following Jesus. Can you imagine whether or not there were times where Paul thought, man, what is is somebody like me going to deliver this kind of message? The gospel is a message of grace. It's a message of hope and it's a message of love. And before I knew Jesus, that's what I was. I was a selfish, self-righteous person. So for Paul, he had to do battle in his mind. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm an apostle. That's my calling. That's what God has called me to do. And yet before, that's the kind of person I was. I was selfish. I thought only of myself. I didn't care about people. Because Pharisees, we see that description. You can read that description in Matthew. Jesus pointed them out for who they were. They said, you're eating with publicans and sinners. And he said, yeah, I came to take care of the sick. I came, to, I came to minister to those in need. That wasn't what was on the Pharisees' agenda. And that is the kind of person that Paul was before. And for some of us, we look back at who we were before, who, before, who we were before Christ, some of the struggles that we had before Christ. And the temptation is to think to ourselves, well, I could try to preach that message, but there's going to be people who remembered me before I knew Jesus. There's going to be people who, in my life, right? Some of you have family members that if you tried to talk to about Jesus, you know the response you'd get. They would look at you like, you're going to preach to me? I mean, the way that you used to be, the way you used to act, the way you used to talk, you're going to preach to me? And there is going to be in the back of your mind this subtle, this little voice that's going to tell you, you know what, you should just keep quiet. I know you feel like what you need to do is be faithful to what God has called you to do and be a witness, but you just need to keep quiet about that because that's who you were before. And that's who you'll always be, right? There was the sin of self-righteousness, but what about this? An overlooked, if it could be considered overlooked part of Paul's life, Paul oversaw the imprisonment and execution of people prior to his conversion to Christianity. There was this violence in his life. He was a persecutor of the church. He was responsible for bringing a lot of suffering into people's lives. You don't think Paul dealt with guilt for that? You don't think Paul looked back on his life and remembered some of the moments, some of the role role that he played in unbelievable injustice? Um, We have the passage there from the book of Acts that tells the story of how Stephen, a preacher of the gospel, was stoned for his faith. In the end, in verse number three there, it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. So Paul who at the time would be referred to as Saul, 
over, he was there when Stephen was stoned. He watched it happen. He had no problem with it. And then the Bible describes his actions as wreaking havoc. He would go into people's homes. He would take men. He would take women. He would drag them to prison. That is the kind of stuff that Paul did. See, some, you might be here tonight and you might think to yourself, Pastor Matt, that's all well and good about God's grace and his forgiveness and how he can use us in spite of our past, but you have no idea. You have no idea where I've been. You have no idea what I've done. And in some cases, I don't. I don't know all the past. But I do know this, that God has enough grace for everything in your life. He has enough mercy for everything in your life. And while you might struggle with guilt and shame and regret for some of what has happened in the past, you have a God who loves you and a God who wants to use you. The rest of your Christian life starts today. There's always forgiveness. There's always mercy. There's always second chances because of what Jesus has done for us. Can you imagine the guilt that Paul dealt with? And can you understand why he might feel unworthy? And some of you are saying to yourself in your mind, yeah, I can understand why he felt unworthy because I sometimes feel unworthy. But you know the wonderful truth? We're all unworthy. Were it not for the grace of Jesus, we would all be in the same place. None of us are worthy. It's through the love and the grace of God and His righteousness being imputed to our account, that is what makes you and me worthy in His sight. And so, to those that might be struggling with doubt, who might be struggling with guilt over sin in your life, I want to encourage you. God has enough mercy and grace to give you second chances. Now, something that's important to understand when we make this point is this. When it comes to sin in our life, there will always be consequences. And some of us deal with the consequences of our sins. And our consequences remain with us. In some cases, you're here tonight, whether it's physical, whether it's relational, whether it's emotional, there are consequences that come with your sin and with mine. And when we talk about God's grace and forgiveness to us and how He can use us going forward in our lives, that's not the same thing as saying that all the consequences go away. I've known people who they try to use the unbelievable grace of God as a way to say, well, people should, just, people should just forget the things that I've done in the past, or I don't know why people always hold everything against me, or I don't, and they almost like, we, we all just be able to say it never happened. But listen, if you, if you sin, there are consequences for your sin. And some, for you, where the guilt comes from is the consequences remind you of your sin. You see it every day. You might have to experience it on a regular basis. And so for you, where the battle is, it's your consequences. And listen, while sin has consequences, and there's nothing that we can do to change that, what you have to understand, what I have to understand, is the message of the gospel is this. You don't have to be defined by your sin in your past, and you don't have to be defined by the consequences of your sin. You are going to have to deal with the consequences. But you can do that in a way that rests in the grace of God. Like, some people are not going to forgive you. Some people are not going to let it go. Some people are not going to let you move on. God, in His mercy and in His forgiveness, He says, I forgive you. If you turn from your sin, I have grace for you. Not everybody is like that. But if you and I, if we, if we let it, we can allow the sins of our past, especially when we're reminded by the consequences of our sin, to define us. And so now we either live with a lot of bitterness towards other people, 
a lot of frustration toward other people, or we're just constantly questioning ourselves, constantly holding ourselves back. God wants you to take a step of faith. He wants you to get more involved. He wants you to speak up. But you say, well, I've got all this baggage and stuff. Well, listen, sometimes you're not going to be able to do everything about the consequences of your sin, but you can decide, what am I going to do going forward? What are the next steps I'm going to take? You don't have to be defined by your sin or by the consequences of your sin. Because when God looks at you, when he looks at me, he sees his child, accepted, loved, forgiven. I wish everybody saw me that way. But not everybody does because of my sin. And I can either hold it against people. One of the consequences of my sin is that people, some people, will never respect me or never trust me or kind of always have in the back of their mind their thoughts about me. And I can either let that be what kind of controls my actions or I can say, you know, I'm going to give that to God. I'm certainly not going to hold it against them. I'm not going to expect from them, this is so important, it's, this has helped me. I'm not going to expect from them what only God can give me, which is unconditional love and grace and forgiveness. That's something only God can give you. And if you'll rest in the truth that God loves you, that he's forgiven you, and if you'll move forward in true sincerity and repentance, God can use you. I don't know all the limitations because of the consequences of your sin, but I do know that it doesn't have to be the end of your story. Because God's always got more for you and for me. We can have a new beginning despite the sins of our past. Don't let guilt and shame and regret keep you from what God has for you the rest of the way. There's the sins of our past. But what about this? A new beginning despite trials in the present. Philippians is a fascinating book of the Bible for a lot of different reasons. But the, the setting, the context surrounding the writing is of great significance when we're studying it. The, the book of Philippians is one of a group of Paul's letters that we refer to as the prison epistles or the prison letters because Paul wrote this letter from in a jail cell. The Bible says earlier on in Philippians, it's chapter 1, verse 7, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds... And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. So this isn't speculation. Paul says in several different parts, but beginning there in the early part of chapter 1, I'm writing to you, I'm in chains, I'm in prison, I'm sitting in a jail cell, and that's where I'm writing this letter to you. So we talk about new beginnings despite the past. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I reaffirm my commitment to following him and to a life of faithfulness and obedience. And he writes all that while sitting in prison. There's something remarkable about that to me. There's something remarkable about how he could be in such a difficult situation in his life, in such a a horrible circumstance, and yet be able to reaffirm his faith and invite other people to reaffirm their faith. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of very difficult things. You could be here tonight and you'd say, Pastor Matt, what I'm going through right now with this person, whether it could be health, it could be relationship, it could be financial, whatever, I'm going through trial. I'm going through testing. I'm going through difficulty. If there was ever a moment in Paul's life where it might have been time, would it have been unreasonable to us for him to say, you know, guys, I think I'm just going to take a couple days here in my luxury cell and think about my life choices. I think I'm going to 
step back and kind of evaluate my career decisions, right? Because I'm preaching, I'm trying to share the message of the gospel, I'm trying to help people, and it's, it's gotten me in jail. I think I'm going to evaluate things. But for Paul, even in such a difficult circumstance, he says, no, I'm moving forward. Um, we read verses 13 and 14 to start. We back up to verse number 12 and read all the way to the end. It says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Um, he says, God got a hold of me. He said, I was attained. God got a hold of me. And he got a hold of me to accomplish something in my life. This isn't good English when you read verse number 12, but it makes the point. He says, I have been, God got me, and I have been gotten to get something, and I'm going to get what I've been gotten to get, right? That's what's going to happen. I, I know that what God has done in my life, what, what, he, what he has started in my life, he is going to finish it. And so even though I find myself in a very difficult place, I am determined to keep moving forward. Where does that kind of determination come from? Where does that kind of determination come uh, how does that develop in the life of a person? And, and how can you and me, who maybe some of us, who we're, we're going into 2024, and for you, I mean, some people, and I know you've seen them, have these posts, and they're already exercising, or they're already doing all this stuff, and man, they're going to go into 2024, they're kicking the door down. I mean, they're like, I'm going to, um, I saw something on Facebook today, it's like, I'm going to go slamming, you know, flying into 2024, and I'm like, I'm crawling into 2024. I'm like, just barely over the finish line, right? And maybe you feel that way too. And maybe for you, you're like, with the stuff that's happened in 2023 in my life, some of the stuff I'm going to carry with me into the next year, I'm really struggling. I mean, I don't know what, what's next for me because I'm in the middle of some really difficult stuff. Where does that faithfulness, where does that determination from Paul come from? Before we see some of these uh, thoughts, these truths that can help us in the middle of our trials. Let me just encourage you with this. I had an interesting conversation with somebody over the holidays, somebody I've known for a long time, really good family friend, and she was sharing with me some of the difficulty that she's going through in 2023. And we were having a conversation, and I was just trying to be an encouragement, but she said something to me that I thought was very interesting, and it gave me the opportunity to try to encourage her. At one point, she was describing some of the stuff that's happened. And we're talking about stuff in her family, stuff with her health. And as she was explaining it to me, as she was just being honest about how she felt, which was not great, she said, but you know, I just need to have more faith. And I said, I don't think what you're saying to me demonstrates a lack of faith. I think what you're saying to me demonstrates honesty. I said, before you challenge yourself, and listen, we're going to see. We, we want to we call ourselves to a life of faith, right? And sometimes it is about stepping and trusting God. But sometimes we look at the difficult things that we're going through in our lives, and we, we put ourselves in this position where, if I'm honest at all about how I feel. See, some of you have had some stuff happen, and this is how you feel. I hate it, and I just wish it would stop. I, I don't want to go through this anymore. For some of you, that's, how, that's honest. 
uh, it's a struggle, right? And we're going to talk about some of the ways that God wants to work in our trials and do things that only He can do. But it's okay, to be honest, that some of the things you go through are no fun. You, when, when we come to church and we spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ, it, it's not time to act like super Christians. Well, I'm going through all this, but you know, uh, it'll, be, it'll all work out in the end. You know, it's okay. Maybe sometime you should just come to church and cry. Maybe sometime you should just come to church and say, get, or, get close to somebody and say, I don't understand. I'm struggling. That's, that's how I really feel. And let somebody who's been there and who's done that put their arms around you. See, I'm not saying that it should just be all like, man, just sit around and complain about our problems. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being honest about how you feel, not pretending that you've got it all together when you don't. I'm talking about a place, I'm talking about having a mentality of following Jesus that's honest, that sometimes things are hard, and sometimes it's okay to be honest that they're hard. And sometimes before anything else, we just need to learn to be honest. When you read the Psalms, there are these Psalms that are, that are sometimes called lament. And you know what Psalms of lament are? That's the writer crying out and saying, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Here's how I feel. Here's how I really feel. Here's what I'm going through. Here's the emotions that I'm feeling. Here's how it all doesn't make sense to me. That's a, song, a crying out of lament. And when you read in the Psalms, what you see is a God. He, listen, if he's not afraid of your doubt and your questions and your frustration, I know sometimes I feel that way. It's like, well, if I'm really honest, God might be up there and be like, whoa, like, we'll settle down. We'll try to figure it out. But God's not afraid of your frustration. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubt. He can handle it. So as we think honestly about our trials, because for Paul, he's in the middle of a prison cell. Things are not great. And it's not like Paul is always writing and saying, you know what, I just love it. But Paul has a perspective, a spiritual maturity that helps him, even in the middle of a difficult circumstance, to move forward by faith. What are some of the thoughts that we see? First, for Paul, where did this determination come from? What about the faithfulness of God? Paul had been in prison before. Paul had been in a jail cell before. That's why I said you can imagine that Paul would be like, man, I might want to think of a different career path, right? Because this one keeps ending me up here. But one of the reasons that Paul is able to write to believers in the city of Philippi and say, listen, I'm not giving up and you shouldn't give up either is because, yes, he was going through some difficult circumstances, but he had been through some stuff before and God had delivered him before. God had been faithful to him before. And so for Paul, part of being able to move forward, even in the middle of difficult circumstances, is to remember the faithfulness of God. Some of you right now, you're going through some stuff. But if I were to ask you, have you ever seen God work in your life? You could tell me, yes, I've seen God work. And if I were to ever ask you, do you have stories of his faithfulness? You could say, yes, I have stories of his faithfulness. And my encouragement to you, as you head into 2024, maybe you're bearing some burdens and it's, it's causing you to question. I want to remind you, you have a good and faithful God and he's been good and faithful to you. And don't forget what he has done for you. Remind yourself of the moments. Tell yourself the stories. Do you remember when God did that? When he showed up, when I prayed and he answered, when I asked him to work and he worked? We see the story there in Acts 16, 25 
through 26. That's the story of Paul in the prison. And they sang. And the Bible tells us there was this miraculous deliverance. See, for Paul, he could look back on the faithfulness of God and he could be encouraged even in the middle of difficult things. Don't forget in the night what God showed you in the light. What's true in the light is true in the darkness. Sometimes you don't understand it. Sometimes it's hard to comprehend it. But don't forget the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Don't forget when you're in the valley what you saw with your own eyes when you were on the mountain. God is good. He is faithful. Look around your life and remind yourself of the blessings. For some of us, Christmas is complicated. And by that, I mean family, because people are complicated. And you had one of two experiences, right? Either Christmas was very stressful for you, because I've got to go here, and I've got to go to this person, and I've got to go to that person, and I've got to make sure this person's happy, and I don't know how this person's going to act. Right? And if you're like me, you allow that anxiety to sort of like overwhelm you. And here's the decision that you and I had to make. And some of you chose poorly. <laughs> right? And some of you did better. Right? But all, there, many of us had this struggle because here's the thing. You were either, you either allowed yourself to say, you know what? Some of it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be a little bit stressful, but I'm going to focus on the blessings. I'm going to focus on the people that God's given me that I know love me and that care about me, and I'm going to let that carry me through, right? Because I know that not everybody in my life is like that person. <laughs> I've got a lot of blessings in my life. See, that's, that's when we start to learn, I have a good God and he's faithful to me and he's given me some people in my life. Because there's a, I mean, there's a way, some people have a way of just sucking all the joy out of our lives. Amen. And what do we end up doing? We end up treating the people who do love us and who are patient with us and who do care about us in such a nasty way because we're letting those people set the tone. But what you need to remind yourself is that you have a good and faithful God and He's given you some good people in your life. That's the difference. And that's not something that just happens. That's something that's learned over time. That's something that you have one experience and you think to yourself, I probably shouldn't do that again. I probably should not let that person or that part of the family set the tone for me. I'm, I'm going to remind myself that God has been good to me. He's been faithful to me. He's given me wonderful people in my life. And you allow him to do that kind of work. We have a good and faithful God. Remind yourself of the goodness. But not only that, Paul talks about this. He talks about the furtherance of the gospel. Paul was willing to have the faith to believe that God could use his suffering to further the message of the gospel. Now, this is a heavenly perspective. This is a spiritual mindset. Look what he says in chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. But I would ye, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul is in prison. Things are not great. But not only does he remember God's faithfulness, but he says, you know what? God can use this. 
He is using this. There are brothers who are hearing Paul went to jail for preaching the gospel. And the story of what I'm going through is creating and is bringing into their life some boldness. There's like, Paul went, Paul went to prison. I mean, he was willing to sacrifice. And so he said, for me, as I sit here, I think to myself, yeah, this kind of stinks. But when I hear that the story is spreading and that the result is that people are preaching the gospel more boldly than they would have, when I know that what I'm going through is resulting in God being glorified and in the message of the gospel being spread, it brings me some peace to know that God could take some of what I'm going through and use it for His glory. And I want to ask you, do you have the faith to pray this kind of prayer? Lord, magnify your name and draw people to yourself through this trial in my life. I don't know how He might do that, but do you have the faith to say, you know what? I don't understand it. I don't like it. It hurts. But if somebody could be changed, if the gospel could go forth, if God could work in this way in someone's life as a result of what I'm going through, I have been, we all have our own stories. I've gone through some awful stuff. Things that in the moment where you're like, "I, I, I would never wish this would happen again. And I can tell you, if we're talking about being honest, I hope Something like that never does happen again, right? But there have been times in my life where I've gone through some difficulty. Sometimes it was months later. Sometimes it was years later. I'm sitting in, uh, <clears throat> sitting in, having coffee with somebody who wanted to talk, and they start to share with me something that's going on in their life. And as they start to open up about what's going on and where they need to be encouraged, I think to myself, okay, that's why. I mean, it wasn't great in the moment. But I wouldn't be able to speak to this person the way that I'm going to be able to if I hadn't gone through that. Or maybe you've had a story in your life and God has allowed some of that difficulty, some of the brokenness. I could tell you all sorts of stories from the life of uh, my wife and I and our family and the dynamics with our family and how God used some real seasons of suffering. And ultimately, He used it to, to bring great glory to Himself. I mean, it was one of those moments where you point to it and say, only God could have done that. Only God could have used this messed up stuff to bring about that and say, I don't know how it's all going to work out. I'd like to be able to tell you. And there are some, I mean, there are some preachers that if you pay them enough, they'll tell you this is how everything's going to work out in your life, right? But if you want a kind of an honest perspective, I don't know how it's going to work out in your life, but I do know that if you will trust the Lord, continue to be faithful to what he's called you to do, that he can use some of what you're going through in ways that you could have never imagined, that he can use some of that stuff to enable you and to enable others to preach the message of the gospel. There's the furtherance of the gospel. And then what is it that uh, helped Paul through these moments of difficulty? There's a development of spiritual maturity. See, Paul, this is not his first time around the block. Right? He's already been in prison. He's already experienced persecution. And what Paul has seen in his own life is how God can take some of the difficulty that we grow through and teach us lessons and grow us and make us more like him. Philippians 4.13 is a verse that is familiar to us. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And sometimes that verse, I mean, that's, you see it on shirts and you see it on stickers and it's kind of that cliche kind of verse. 
right? It's used sometimes a little bit flippantly, right? I mean, I've seen people, I can do all things through Christ, so I'm going to join the basketball team or something. I, I, I understand kind of the spirit, but when you read the book of Philippians, what you find is that that statement, I can do all things through Christ, is a statement that reflects growth and maturity. See, Paul didn't reach that point overnight, right? We read that and we think, I can do all things through Christ. And one of the reasons Paul could say that he had that kind of confidence in his, in his God is because Paul has gone through some things and he's learned some lessons and it has grown him. It's changed him. And if you, were, if you had a chance to share your testimony, you'd say, you've been through some stuff, not easy, but you learned some lessons. You grew as a person, more like Christ. It changed you in ways that you could have never imagined. Um, I, I know that in my life, when I hear people share about how God taught them lessons, it was often in the middle of tr- testing and trial. When he tried me, when he tries me, Job said, I'll come forth as gold. The idea is that when he does that kind of work in our life, it's a refining fire. There's some things that change about us because of the trial and the testing that we go through. When you read going back before um, Philippians 4.13, what you see is some of the growth that Paul had experienced, some of the lessons that he had learned along the way. Some of you are going through difficult things and you're struggling and you're wondering what's next. But Paul says, beginning in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 12. How do we get to, I can do all things through Christ? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He then gives this long list of good things, virtuous things, and he says, you should think on these things. And then he says, the things that you've heard and received, and learned and received in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And then he talks about <clears throat> how he's learned. I've learned to have a lot. I've learned to have a little. I've learned to suffer loss. I've learned to receive. He said, I've gone through all this stuff. And so what have I learned? I've learned that as we go through this journey that we call life, I've learned not to worry about stuff, but to take it to God in prayer. I've learned to uh, have my uh, mind occupied by the good things and the blessings. These are the things that I've learned. I've gone through some stuff where things have been awful, where things have not worked out for me. And so what have I done? I have learned through all these experiences. And so when he gets to, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's not out of nowhere. That's a result of spiritual growth over time through experience. And you and I can experience that same kind of growth. Whatever you're going through, you can pray that kind of prayer and say, God, I don't know what you're trying to do, but I welcome it into my life. I don't want to waste it, so teach me lessons. I don't want to do the same stuff over and over again. If I can learn, I want to learn. If I can grow, I want to grow. And for those that have been through difficult circumstances and learned lessons in the middle of those circumstances, you know this is true. God wants to grow you and mature you and make you a different person than when you went into that time of your life. And so we can either have that mentality or we can miss the way that God wants to work in our lives. So there's new beginnings. Some of us are struggling with the guilds of the past. Some of us are struggling with trials in the present. But what about the uncertainties of the future, right? So there's the past, there's the present. But what about the future? A new beginning despite the uncertainties of the future. The future is uncertain and that's what makes it scary. <clears throat> Paul didn't have any more knowledge of the future than you and I have. 
In fact, <clears throat> Paul's sitting in prison. <clears throat> future doesn't look all that great. All right, for some of us, where the struggle is, I think I know what God wants me to do next. I think I know how he's been working in my life. I think he wants me to maybe get outside of my comfort zone a little bit. I think there's some stuff that I know needs to change. I think, but I don't know what that looks like in the future. And so the future is uncertain and it brings about a lot of fear. It brings about a lot of worry. For Paul, can you imagine what he thought about the future? I mean, when you're in prison, you've got a lot of time to think about what's happening tomorrow and the day after that. But Paul has a lot of confidence. What does he say? He says, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark. I'm going forward into the future. Paul didn't have any greater insight into the future than you do or than I do, but he did have some of the same promises. He did have some of the same confidence that we have. For some, there's anxiety. I need to take some steps. I need to make some changes. As a family, we made easily, as a family, the biggest change and transition that we've had since my wife and I have been married. We lived in Maryland, pastored in Maryland, had a job in Pennsylvania. It's the church our kids knew. And God, through his working, and I, I love to tell the story. I've told somebody the story. When, when we talk about God bringing us here, one of the reasons that we're so thankful to be here is because it was a God thing. He worked in ways that only he could work. But I can tell you that through all of the preparation and the lead up to that, if you think that we got in that van and we were like, man, it's going to work out so great. We had no idea. We had no idea how nice you all were. Some of you, right? We didn't, we didn't have any idea what to expect. We, yeah, exactly. We've had so, we had some idea, but ultimately the future was uncertain. But God went ahead of us and he worked and he is continuing to work. But sometimes the anxiety about what's next. I, I can be honest and transparent with you. As a pastor in a church, things were going fine. I worked a job. Everything was good. And I had thoughts in my mind. It's like, you, that's definitely the direction God wants you to go. But this seems a little safer. This seems a little more like, you know what's going on here. You know this place and you know these people. Now, I'm not, this is not um, some sort of celebration of Pastor Matt's great faith. This is an encouragement to you. That if you're on, in a situation in your life where I feel like I need to make some new, take some big steps, I feel like I need to make some changes, I feel like I, I want to go forward, but I'm afraid because I have no idea what forward looks like. You can have confidence. Paul had confidence going forward into the future. Why? There were a couple of reasons. First, he had the security of his salvation. See, for Paul, where it started was his hope was in Jesus. He says in the early part, Verse number six of chapter one, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul said, one thing I know for sure, I'm saved. And the work that God started in me and the work that he started in you, he's going to perform it until the day of Christ. He's going to take us all the way to the end. And so while I don't know how it's all going to happen or how it's all going to unfold, I have confidence for the future because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, because I am saved and that's his work. It's not my work. Aren't you grateful? You don't attain it through anything you do. You don't maintain it through anything you do. There's one thing that's constant in my life and that is my salvation. The security that I have 
because of what Jesus has done. It's a rock solid foundation. I don't know a lot about the future, but I do know that I'm saved and I belong to God and I'm his child and he has a plan for me and a purpose for me. See, sometimes it can get so overwhelming because we struggle with what's our purpose, what's our meaning. If you belong to God, you have a purpose. You have a a, a reason for being. You have something on which you can build your life. And when you start to get nervous, what does the future look like? Well, one thing it looks like for certain, Jesus is in your future and he's in my future because he saved us and he securely keeps us and there's nothing that can change that. Paul had confidence in the future because of his salvation. But what about about this? The promise of resurrection. See, the whole context of the passage that we started in, right? what Paul is talking about, is this hope of resurrection. And this is significant because for Paul, death might be soon. Right? The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 24, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I want not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And why could Paul have that that confidence even in the face of death? Chapter 3, verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Here is the promise that all those that believe have. Even death does not separate us from our God, right? We have the promise, the hope of resurrection. One day Jesus is going to come again And those that are dead in Christ will be resurrected. We have the promise of resurrection. We have the promise of eternity forever. He says, I don't know. I mean, I could stay here. I I, I struggle. Isn't that an interesting interesting admission? He says, I struggle. I want to be with Jesus, but I also want to be here because there's still work to do. Right? I still have a mission. I still have stuff I want to accomplish. And I, I would venture to say that's probably where all of us are. We have a a desire to see our Savior, yeah, but for most of us, there's still stuff to get done, right? And we're in that same place that Paul is, but there's a hope of resurrection. Why can we stare death in the face? Why can we even come to the end? Because we have a promise of resurrection. We have a promise that uh, death is not the end, that there's an eternity with Jesus. We don't live just for the now. We live for eternity. We live with eternity in view, right? It's beyond just this life. It's into the, the next life. We don't build up for ourselves treasures on earth. That's where moth and dust corrupts, where thieves break through and steal. We build up for ourselves treasures in heaven because that's where things don't rust. That's where things can't be stolen. We're living for something greater than ourselves. How can I have hope for the future? Because I know that whatever happens down here, right, I'm living for something greater than myself. I'm living for something greater than the material. I'm living for something greater than this world. I'm living for something that's eternal, right? Sometimes, because we're sinners, we, we fall back into a temporal mindset, right? It's, it's, we focus on the here and the now. And we have to do that in many areas of our life. But for a believer, my life is for the eternal. It's for what is happening in the future. There's one day I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior forever. That's what truly matters. Everything down here is going to burn up. Living for Him and a life that brings Him glory, that's what matters. Paul says, I can have confidence for the future 
There's the security of salvation and the promise of resurrection. But what about the certainty of Jesus' return? Not a lot that's certain about the future, but one thing is for certain. Jesus is coming again. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able to subdue all things unto Himself. The future is uncertain, but ultimately it is very bright because it is all working toward the ultimate culmination, which is the return of Jesus. Sometimes we have a lot of anxiety about things that are going to happen in the future, things that are outside of our control. Something is going to happen in 2024 that happens every four years in America. You may not know about it. It's a big deal, right? And I will say this, beyond anything political, something that becomes very clear every four years is what people have their, truly put their hope in. What becomes very clear is what people really put their hope in. By the way we act, by the way we talk, by the way we think, we demonstrate, because listen, there is an idol a false idol of the world. It's the idol of power. And in 2024, there's going to be a lot of sacrifices made at the altar of that idol. And you know what's sad? Is that some of those sacrifices are made by people who should know better. That's you and me. There is so much that could be said in that regard. But I'll read this for you. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a lot I don't know about the future, but one thing I do know for sure, nothing that happens down here is going to change that. Jesus is coming again. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Does that mean we don't care? Does that mean we pull back, indifferent, apathetic, right? Should we just go hide out in the mountain somewhere and wait until Jesus comes again? No. No, we ought to engage in the world around us. We ought to seek to spread the message of the gospel. We ought to stand up for what's true and what's right. And I pray for you, just like I pray every four years, that God would give you wisdom as to what you do and what you say when it comes to that thing that I'm talking about. That shall not be named, right? But here's one thing for certain. Your hope and my hope, if you're a believer, is in Jesus. It's not in anything that happens down here. And so before you allow yourself to become so overwhelmed with anxiety at what's going to happen and how it's all going to play out, before you allow yourself to forget the real purpose for which you and I are here, which is to share the gospel with others and to make sure people understand that it's Him and Him alone that we ought to put our hope in. Before you allow that to happen, just get your eyes back on Jesus. Get your focus back on Him. Paul says, far from making us indifferent or apathetic, right? The, reason, the, we, the way we should move forward is with this idea, Jesus is coming again, and so we ought to work. He says in chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, he says, Do things without murmurings and without disputings. Hold forth the word of life. Uh, stand in your faith. Share the gospel. Don't complain. Don't murmur. Don't uh, backbite and, and, and gossip about each other. No, get it together. 
focus on me and focus on what uh, the work I have for you and go forward because Jesus is coming again. And one day you're going to stand before him and I'm going to stand before him. And I want, like you and like me, uh, each and every one of us ought to desire when he comes to be busy when he comes. Right? The reality that Jesus is coming again and that he's going to judge righteousness, uh, judge unrighteousness and reward righteousness, that shouldn't make us prideful people. I know a lot of people, man. It's like Jonah syndrome. I just can't wait till Jesus comes again and sets all these people straight, right? But my desire should be to get as many of those people to believe in Jesus as possible, right? When I was a kid and when my parents would leave and my brothers would do something wrong, I was like, I can't wait until dad gets home because I get to witness their suffering and the punishment, right? That's how some Christians seem to be about the return of Jesus. It's like, I just can't wait till God comes and takes care of all this. You know what our desire ought to be? is I ought to desire that people be changed, that, God, that the gospel change people's lives. I shouldn't be standing at the window of the church looking out there and thinking, man, someday they're going to get what's coming to them. I should want to go out there to them and tell them that God loves them and wants to save them. That's the message of the gospel. So I don't know what your future is going to look like. I don't know all that he has for you and in store for you, but I do know that if you'll go forward in faith, allowing the certainty of Christ's return, the security of your salvation, the faithfulness of God to just encourage you to be faithful and to move forward. Now, I don't have all the answers about what's going to happen next, but I do know that if I'll continue to be faithful, God will work because it's worth it. Because our labor is not in vain in the Lord. So I don't know where you're at. Maybe it's the past. Maybe it's the present. Maybe it's the uncertainty of the future. But I want to encourage you that you can have a new beginning. Right, 2024 can be a year of obedience and faithfulness and faith and change and growth. It can be that kind of year for you because God is not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. He has a work that he wants to continue to do because he's good and because he's faithful.